Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. And all I'm trying to do is teach parents to have a game plan because kids by their nature are hedonistic little suckers. They do not come in this world with concern for other people. But that's our job is to train them up, not train them down, and most of us train kids down. Train them up in such a way that they feel encouraged and loved no matter what. That's Dr. Kevin Lehman, and this is Focus on the Family. He'll offer some great advice on how to encourage your child rather than put them down. Uh, Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, most of us are blessed with one or more powerful children in our families. I'm sure having six kids, you must have had one. You know, we did have a mix, and uh, (laughs) we had a couple that were very strong. It It was amazing. The whole family would come to a screeching halt because this child had this need, and it wasn't being met, or... They had to have this argument at this time. It's really interesting. It is. Well, we had two, and we had one strong-willed and one not as strong-willed, and it was uh, certainly the same way. You know, Trent was the strong-willed guy, and it had to go his way or the highway. And I'm not sure they're always even (laughs) cognizant that I'm the person. Absolutely not. I mean, I invited him to so many things to do with Focus when he was a teenager, and it was so funny because he said, oh, Dad, I, I really don't want to go. I got I got to study or something. And it was going fishing or something. <laughs> and, and now he's going, I was so disconnected. I was so dumb as a teenager mm. not to go with you. But it's okay. Uh, God has given each of our children uh, unique personalities. Right. And the strength that comes with that strong-willed child is something we need in this world for sure. But sometimes it's hard to understand that child, especially when the two of you as a parent and a child are butting heads. Mm-hmm. It's vital to... To learn how to parent that child well so they will use that strength to serve God and others when they're adults. Yeah, and as uh, we heard in that clip at the beginning of the show, you have to be ready, you have to have a game plan, and that's what we have for you today through Dr. Kevin Lehman. Uh, he's an internationally known family psychologist, a New York Times best-selling author, and he is a really popular public speaker and media personality. Of the more than 50 books he's written, we're going to have one here that's really at the core of today's broadcast. It's called Parenting Your Powerful Child, Bringing an End to Everyday Battles. We'll invite you to stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast to get your copy. Let's jump into that conversation, Jim, as you welcomed Dr. Lehman. Well, Dr. Kevin Lehman, welcome back to Focus on the Family. And uh, you're not talking just about strong-willed children here. You're talking about something uh, far broader in the powerful child. What is it? Absolutely. And thank you, Jim. And thank you, John, for having me once again. You know, uh, I think we've given the strong-willed child a bad rap. Let's start with that. <laughs> I think you want your kids to be strong-willed. You want your kid to stand up in this world that says, hey, do everything we do and be cool like us. You want that son, you want that daughter to be a daughter, a son of conviction, to know right from wrong, you know, to do the right thing. But the powerful child has an agenda. The powerful child wants to win, control, dominate. If you're a mommy today and you're raising a son, let me be clear on this. If you have a powerful child, he's going to be a lousy husband because he's going to be a controller. I've never heard a woman say, Dr. Lehman, I just love the way my husband controls me. Mm -hmm. So the stakes are high. And here's the kicker. We as parents teach the kids how to be powerful. If you have a powerful child, I got news for you. There's a powerful parent somewhere nearby. <laughs> and you, you say about 99% of the children are powerful. Along with that, let me uh, you may have heard some of the giggles in the background. We have about 25 uh, women 
here to uh, guide our discussion. We're going to ask you all some questions. So let me say to you, welcome to the studios at Focus on the Family. Thank you. <laughs> so we're, we're really going to be tested here, Kevin. Well, you know, women are the, they're the heartbeat of the family. There's no two ways about it. And, you know, in so many cases, in most cases in families, the kids are much more familiar with mama. So they know how to punch up mommy's buttons, get her going. And it's amazing how a husband can say something once and a mom finds herself saying it several times. Well, that's a good place to start. Why is that happening? Well, because, again, I think we've trained kids how to be powerful. And by 18 months, now, this is pretty young. By 18 months, a kid has full uh, understanding of great power that they have over the parent. That's hard to believe, though. 18 well, months? let's take a picture of a little guy, uh, 17 months of age. Dad's trying to get him into a high chair to have his dinner. Now, this is a kid who has no intention of going in that high chair. And if there was a sport in the Olympics called (laughs) arching your back, this kid could win Olympic gold because a 17-month-old kid does not want to go in that chair, can contort their body in such a way they look like a pretzel, okay? And there's dad battling, trying to get this kid in, and mommy just trying to be good mom says, honey, Roger, just give him to me. I'll take him, honey. And, And she takes little Fletcher and puts little Fletcher on her lap and proceeds to feed little Fletcher spoon by spoon. Now, everybody in the room, be little Fletcher for just a second. Would you rather sit on Mommy's warm lap and be spoon-fed or sit in the cheap plastic chair they bought at Walmart? (laughs) (laughs) So, in other words, we have reinforced the kid fussing the same way we do in the mall when a kid throws a temper tantrum because he wants a candy treat, and we say, no, we're not going to get a candy treat, and that's it. That's final, okay? There's a big stir. People are watching. Okay, and you feel pressure as a parent. All right, all right. But then there's no more candy for life. Do you understand me? No more candy for life. So not only do we cave into the kid, but we say stupid things to him. Oh, man, you're hitting me right between the eyes. <laughs> Guilty. With the high chair or the candy? Well, or both. all of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it is true. Now, why? Is parenting any different today than it was many years ago? Are we busier today so we're giving in, or are we just weaker Well, I think there's parents tonight who are lying awake, looking at the crack in the ceiling, feeling like General Custer on his last day on this earth. It's tremendously different because the culture we live in has such great influence over our kids. Take something as innocent as playing soccer, and you find out that your little son, little Buford, has just been selected for citywide soccer. Ooh. (laughs) And this means now that the next 10 weekends of your life are going to be traveling to another city over the weekend, okay? So all focus is on soccer, and where's the room for Almighty God in that kid's life? Where's the room for anything that's worthy on that Sunday in terms of attending church? And so I say culture dominates an awful lot of what we have to face as parents, plus the cell phones, the Instagram, everything. It's Mm. just changed so rapidly. Now, you've talked about children being those manipulators. Uh, Let's apply that spiritual component to it. Why? Why are we all sinners that give birth to sinners, and why are these little rascals so good? At 18 months, they can manipulate us the way you described. Well, the firstborn, let's start with that, is the lab rat of the family. (laughs) You know, we're new at being uh, parents, and we're surrounded by women here in the Focus on the Family studio. And if you've given birth, uh, that's not a piece of cake. 
to begin with. But that 19 and a half inch is laid across your lap, and the lactation nurse was supposed to visit you. You never saw the woman. And all of a sudden, you're awestruck that you have this tremendous responsibility with this little child whose little lip was quivering, and you instantly fell in love with this little girl or this little guy. And you go home, and you're trying to be the best mom you can possibly be. And this is where it starts, because I think a lot of parents who have very powerful children have just erred in trying to do way too much for their children. In my book, uh, Have a New Kid by Friday, the best line in that book is, an unhappy child is a healthy child. And there's Mm -hmm. times your son or daughter has to be miserable, quite frankly, and unhappy. Why? Because they disobeyed you, they talked back to you. So part of the problem, Jim, is that we start off practicing on these little lab rats. We have high expectations. The kids knew it being a kid. You knew it being a parent, and that's a perfect storm for a lot of excitement down the road. And in your book, Parenting Your Powerful Child, you you describe it this way, which I think is funny. Uh, One of the personality types, aggressive, temperamental, curveball manipulator. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah, and some of these manipulators, the the curveball guy in particular is the one that, you know, here's a kid that's pretty obedient, uh, seems to just sort of, you know, go with the flow, and all of a sudden... They hit age 10, age 11, age 12, the hormone group, the pubescent, and all of a sudden the grades drop off the shelf. Mm -hmm. The kid has an instant attitude, and you say, where'd this kid come from? And that's why I call him the curveball. But then you've got the eggshell, uh, the sensitive one. Oh, Dr. Lehman, Aunt Melanie is a very sensitive daughter, very sensitive girl. When I hear that, I reach for my wallet. (laughs) <laughs> I'm protecting my wallet because I don't trust this kid. And, and and when you talk to somebody and you hear that this kid is sensitive, be careful because you have a powerful little buzzard on your hands, a kid who can use the sensitivity and the tears to work you. Well, you're talking about real manipulation, though. How does a parent... And at what age do you engage to show that child that manipulating me that way let, let me is not going to work? Let me ask you a question first. How do you feel when Gene cries? Oh, tender. What can, what can I do for you? Yeah. What do I need to do to fix it? Do you think that women can use tears to bring man <laughs> to their knees? And well, ladies, what do you think? Yeah. 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 And so I think we all had to pony up and understand that, you know, manipulation is very, very possible, especially for youngest children in the family. Your oldest children tend to be more rule-oriented and more precise and perfectionistic. It's us babies, you know, who could sell dead rats for a living if we had to. And they and they earn a living looking up because your youngest child looks up and sees the middle child or sees the next child in line, and they go out of their way to be different. And kids many times will throw out a bone, so to speak, to see if we'll bite. And when we do, okay, game is on. We are going to clash. And here's the other thing. The kid that's most like you, Mom... The kid that's most like you, Dad, is the one you're probably going to clash with. It's the similarities, and that, that's where birth order fits in this paradigm, that we tend to, mommies tend to hit it off better with sons, daddies with daughters. There's key relationship in families. So, again, it's the opposites that attract psychologically. So keep in mind that kids will bait you, and they'll sucker you. And so one of the things that I like to teach parents is that when a kid says something really stupid and ridiculous, which is every day, you can take a look at that kid and say, wow, interesting, interesting. Don't go there. Don't 
try to over-control. Now, again, we have authoritarian parents, which most of us in this room grew up with. All right, listen up. Hey, don't make me come over there. Hey, you want something to cry about? I'll give you something to cry about. (laughs) Now, you know, the laughter behind says, hey, I can identify with that. And see, this is what people need to understand. That doesn't reflect God's teaching. Mm. But neither does the permissive, you know. But give us an example of that. What does that sound like, the permissive? Oh, the permissive is, uh, I'm Brittany, sweetheart. It's 8 p.m. Have you chosen to go to bed yet? <laughs> or how about, hey, would you turn that music down? I'm trying to finish your science project. <laughs> so, so we have I... parents, and, and here's the kicker. If you bring up your kid in an authoritarian manner, they're going to rebel. They're going to be powerful, rebellious kids. If you're permissive with them, and here's the kicker, they're going to rebel if they're permissive. So the only way that really reflects God's teaching is to move toward the authoritative parent style. Authoritative, and, not, a th- not authoritarian. authoritarian. So you're in healthy authority over your kid. You establish healthy authority. And I think that's what St. Paul was trying to tell us in Ephesians 6. When he says, children, obey your parents. It's the right thing to do because God has placed them in what? in authority over you. So are we talking about being mamby-pamby? No. Either is God's word, because it says, every knee shall what? Shall bow. That's the goal. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. When Holly's son was considering suicide, she called a Focus on the Family counselor. All those years I'd been listening to Focus, I was thinking about how They were like that practical guide for me. That was sound advice I could get from them. I didn't really know where else to turn. I'm Jim Daly. Help us rescue hurting parents and give families hope. Donate at focusonthefamily.com slash family and your gift will be doubled. Just like a warm fireplace when it's cold outside, the joy the Christmas season gives comfort and draws us closer to loved ones. I'm John Fuller, and Focus on the Family is excited to let you know about our Christmas Stories podcast. Each episode brings heartwarming conversations to bring your family closer together and remind you of the hope we have in Jesus. You can enjoy that podcast at focusonthefamily.com slash Stories. That's focusonthefamily.com slash Stories. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Every kid starts off an attention getter. You have to understand that all kids want attention. The question is, does the child get attention positively or negatively? Once they get negative attention, then they'll escalate to be a powerful child. So the powerful child again says, I only count life when I win, control when I dominate. The attention getter says, I only count in life when I'm noticed. So your own feelings, this is unique about this book. Your own feelings as a mom or a dad can tell you if you have a powerful child or not. Do you feel annoyed by the behavior? If you do, you have an attention getter. But if you feel like you'd like to take that little nose and rub it in it, so to speak, and you can't do that to me, do you know who I am? I am your mother. I am your dad. you got a powerful child on your hands. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, and you've talked about that. You've talked about the aggressive temperament. You've talked about that sensitive eggshell temperament, uh, that stubborn procrastinator manipulator. You're touching on that. But I think our boys are more in that category. Probably of, the tougher. Yeah. Well, does this come down to, you know, it's uh, we ask you to clean your room at 
9 o'clock and it's now 2 in the afternoon. Did you get it done? But, oh, yeah, but, I forgot. But here's what we do. Most of us ask kids questions. Now, if you want something controversial, Lehman says on Parenting Your Powerful Child, don't ask your kids questions. Now, again, Make statements. We're, we're surrounded by women. I'm surprised we haven't been attacked to this moment <laughs> because that's like asking a fire not to burn because women love to ask questions. When Melissa comes home from school, I always ask her, oh, honey, how was your day? Oh, that's a good question. Interest. Okay, yeah, but what does the kid say? Fine. <laughs> What'd you do in school today? Nothing. Teenager, where you been? Out. What'd you do? Nothing. You want to ask questions? Go ahead. Here's the kicker. Tell me more about that. So the question thing needs to be tucked away. And you'll be surprised if you just back off a little bit. Kids want to be affirmed by you. They want you to enjoy them, and, and they want you to be happy. So a, an obvious conclusion is sometimes you look at a kid and say, I am very unhappy with what just went down here. Give them the look, turn your back, and walk away. You're raking coals over the kids when you do that. Okay, now, but I'm going to bring you back to the procrastinator. Yes. So let's say that you don't ask your question, but right. you've asked them to get, you know, make sure you get your homework done. Okay. Let That's me get, not a question. Yeah, let me give you two examples, and then I'll add you something else. In rearing five kids, I never ask any of my kids, do you have homework? I never asked that question. And they all did well. And the last one won an $80,000 scholarship to school. Okay? Let's start with that. Are you guaranteeing this? <laughs> well, this is, I'm telling you. There's, we spend our time trying to micromanage kids. Kids mm -hmm. need to know that they have homework to do, et cetera. But here's the kid who's nine years old who's supposed to clean his room on Tuesday and Saturday. It's not done. No reminders in this system. None. It's not done on Tuesday. And nine-year-old has neglected to do what she's supposed to do. And you, as money manager of the home, you go and you hire seven-year-old to go in and clean nine-year-old's room. You pay for it without fanfare out of nine-year-old's allowance. So don't put it in their face. You just do it. Right. Yeah. But when they find out they lost money to their sister or brother who they really don't care for that much to begin with, you've made some inroads. The 17-year-old who's supposed to clean the garage, who was supposed to do it last spring, and now the snow is about to fly, he's looking for the car keys at 6 o'clock that night. He, he was supposed to clean the garage. He doesn't do a lick. And now he's got a date. He's got plans. Dad, where's my keys? Honey, you're not going to find the keys. They're right here in my pocket. Well, give them to me. I'm late. Honey, you're supposed to clean the garage today. I see you didn't do a lick. He'll promise you anything at that point. Mm -hmm. He'll mm -hmm. promise you he'll, he'll repair the roof. He'll, <laughs> he'll uh, paint the garage. He'll, uh, he'll pull weeds for life. Just give me the keys of that car. And that's what I call sticking to your guns without shooting yourself in the foot. And that's how you establish authority. That God didn't put us on this earth to be run over by you, 17-year-old. So don't be afraid to pull the rug out. Now, the one issue there, so many parents, that's hard to do. Why is that hard to stick to your guns? What are we doing as parents to manipulate our environment? Mm. Well, which one's the monkey and which one's the organ grinder? As I look at kids today, kids shorter than a yardstick are in full control of adults. And they whine. Whining doesn't continue unless it's paid off. Maladaptive behavior doesn't continue unless it's paid off. We remind and coax. Many listeners are, are the human alarm clocks for their kids to try to get mm -hmm. them out the door mm -hmm. in the morning. If you had Kevin Lehman with you for a day, I'll tell you what would happen. That You wouldn't wake the kid up. you say, Lehman, wait a minute. I don't wake him up. He'd be late for school. Oh, how soon you catch on. But, uh, yeah, he's not going to be happy. But you tell him, hey, I'm not playing this game any longer. I'm done. How do you feel after you scream and yell at your kid all morning to get him out the door? 
So why not do some rug pulling, write a note to teacher or principal that says, Anthony has absolutely no reason to be late today to school. He chose to sleep in. Feel free to do whatever you do to kids who are illegally tardy. Love mom. And <laughs> and put the tennis ball life on, on his side of the court. It seems awfully abrupt if we have, say, a teenager who's been procrastinating right. for their entire life. We've right. trained them to do this. Right. Should there be a re-entry? I have a friend whose child doesn't clean their room. And time and again, they're told, clean your room. So here's a 12-year-old who doesn't clean the room. Well, okay. What, what, shouldn't we be gentle here? Well, you could clean it for him like it's never been cleaned before, just like the kid who refuses to brush his teeth at age four. I could brush his teeth like they'd never been brushed before. That might get his attention. So, yeah, it is abrupt. And when you have a kid who's had 14 years of procrastination, please don't think that reading Parenting Your Powerful Child and listen to Kevin Lehman is going to instantly change this kid who's procrastinated for 14 years. Mm -hmm. But what's going to happen is you're going to take the joy out of procrastinating in his life. Mm -hmm. And that's what you need to focus on. And those behaviors can turn, okay? I wrote all those books on have a new kid by Friday and have a new teenager by... I always told people they're scams because it doesn't take five days. You can do it by Wednesday, two days. And most behaviors you can turn around. But when you have these kids who are just driven toward defeating themselves, and that's what these procrastinators do. And a lot Mm -hmm. of them don't measure up because they feel if they measure up, you're always going to make them measure up, and there's the pressure. So these are your slobs. These are your kids who live in piles. And you adults, you know who I'm talking about, in your desk. You have piles all over your desk. Someone asks you to find something, you know exactly which pile to look in with equal ease. Well, why is that? Because you grew up with a critical-eyed parent. Mm-hmm. A parent who could spot a flaw at 50 paces. So do you want to be a flaw-picking mom or dad? No. You want to be an encourager. Give that kid vitamin E and stand with your kid. Mm. Kevin, this is great, great stuff. Uh, when you look at a parent that um, feels like you're giving up the right to be right, um, how do you calm yourself down in that moment? Um, because I know even in our household when we have some conflict with the boys over something, um, so often, Jean, she will get to that point where, man, she's so frustrated. You moms like that? Mm-hmm. You get to that point and you're just so frustrated. We cave. We give in. But uh, I think sometimes you say to a kid, you know, you could be right. Because they'll throw stupid things out to you. Okay? And uh, a kid who, you know, you remind every day, the bus is going to be here in 19 minutes. You might walk in very glibly some morning and say, "Honey, I don't know if you want if you're interested or not, but it's eight twenty. Turn around, walk away. You call him for breakfast, and he comes out twenty minutes later. Okay, and he says, "These pancakes are cold. Really, My, mine were warm and tasty. Hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? You can learn to talk to kids differently, and I think that's the encouraging thing. And again, for those of you who don't know, I graduated fourth and bottom of my class in high school." was going nowhere fast. I uh, I was thrown out of Cub Scouts, so you can imagine what kind of kid <laughs> I was. Thrown out of Scouts. That's bad. Thrown out of fourth grade. I did a lot of things. But my, I had a mom who loved me anyway. And isn't that true of Almighty God? Doesn't he love us anyway? And I think there's times you want to string your kids up. Let's face it. They just, they're a little too much. And 
I said in a book that sold well over a million copies years ago, Making Children Mind Without Losing Yours, I said, we have seen the enemy, and they are small. <laughs> and today they're unionized. And, and you better have a game plan. And all I'm trying to do is teach parents to have a game plan because kids, by their nature, are hedonistic little suckers. They do not come in this world with concern for other people. But that's our job is to train them up, not train them down, and most of us train kids down, train them up in such a way that they feel encouraged and loved no matter what. And we're going to pause right there for today's conversation with Dr. Kevin Lehman and pick it up tomorrow on Focus on the Family. Um, Dr. Lehman has such fantastic insight and advice for all parents to really integrate into our daily lives. Yes, he does, John. And it's so important to parent and discipline well, of course, but part of that includes encouraging your child in the right way. And I love how Dr. Lehman touched on that. And let me turn to you, the listener. This is why Focus on the Family exists. We want to equip you and help you be the best parent you can be so that you can have a strong, thriving family. That's the goal. Uh, We have a number of resources to help you sharpen your parenting skills. Over 45 years, we've been able to assemble a, a great list of resources and one of those is our Seven Traits of Effective Parenting Assessment, which takes just a few minutes of your time, and you'll see where you're doing well and some action steps to take in areas that might need some improvement. We also have uh, the wonderful book by Dr. Kevin Lehman that we talked about in today's program. It's called Parenting Your Powerful Child, Bringing an End to Everyday Battles. So true. Uh, This book is great for any stage you are at in your parenting journey. And you can get that directly from Focus on the Family. And when you do, the proceeds go right back into ministry. As we approach this Thanksgiving and Christmas season, it's more important than ever to share the hope that Jesus Christ came to give all of us with over overwhelming inflation, high costs for food and fuel, political turmoil, and continued health concerns. Families are struggling, but you can come alongside those facing challenges and give these families hope through your support of Focus on the Family. And you know, thousands of people reach out to Focus on the Family for help by phone, by mail, by email. Uh, Couples heading for divorce, uh, parents who are stressed, moms considering an abortion, and so many others need your help. Your support today will provide scripture-based resources and programs to save and strengthen families. Uh, If you can make a monthly pledge, that is so helpful. It allows us to plan and budget for the year ahead to help these families uh, that are just like yours. When you make that pledge today, and any amount helps, we'll send you a copy of Kevin Lehman's book, Parenting Your Powerful Child, as our way of saying thank you for supporting the ministry of Focus on the Family and giving families hope. If you're unable to commit to a monthly amount, we get that. Uh, one-time gift, we will send the book as well. So on behalf of the families you'll be reaching through Focus on the Family in 2023, let me say thank you. Mm-hmm. And through a special year-end matching opportunity right now, your gift will be doubled dollar for dollar, and God's going to use your gift to bring healing and redemption to twice the families. To take the seven traits of effective parenting assessment or to donate and get your copy of Parenting Your Powerful Child, call 800-the-letter-A-in-the-word-family, 800-232-6459, or visit focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team here, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we continue the presentation with Dr. Kevin Lehman and once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program, 
for your family. Stay tuned. Praying with the kids at bedtime in the comfort of your home. This warm setting is featured in the new special edition print from Focus on the Family titled What Matters Most. It's a story in paint by artist Morgan Weisling, a gicle depicting a faithful pioneer family, and it can have a special place in your home to remind you of what's truly important. Get this special edition print at focusonthefamily.com slash special print. That's focusonthefamily.com slash special print. You have to understand that all kids want attention. The question is, does the child get attention positively or negatively? Once they get negative attention, then they'll escalate to be a powerful child. So the powerful child again says, I only count life when I win, control when I dominate. The attention getter says, I only count life when I'm noticed. Well, getting to the heart of a really complex uh, parenting matter, that's Dr. Kevin Lehman on today's Focus on the Family. And we've jumped right in again with some great content, uh, pulling from his book, Parenting Your Powerful Child, and his many, many years as a psychologist and an author and speaker. And uh, Jim Daly is our host. Jim, this is such fundamentally good stuff. There's always something great to take from Kevin and uh, apply in my own life as a parent with my kids. Well, that's it. If you have kids at home, uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman is the man to go to because mm-hmm. he has such great wisdom, and it's rooted right there in biblical principle, and it helps all of us as parents kind of reset the, the uh, compass about what are we trying to achieve here as parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, even last time, John, we talked about uh, the types of manipulation that children bring into the home. Uh, Dr. Lehman said that that starts at about 18 months. Uh, that was profound, mm-hmm. you know, just how these little guys and girls will uh, rebuke the parents when they're trying to feed them or whatever it might be. And it was wonderful. Dr. Kevin Lehman, welcome back to Focus on the Family. Yeah, thank you. You know, potty training, a kid will sense that uh, when they start to be toilet trained, that the parent, if the parent overreacts to that, okay, hey, parents, eating, sleeping, and going potty, okay? There's not a person in this room here at Focus on the Family that hasn't gone potty today. Okay? <laughs> Let's start with that. But did anybody receive an M&M for going? <laughs> now, that's not yet, of, but it's not too late. <laughs> that's the kind of lunacy we build in, you know. And uh, so eating and sleeping and going potty, these natural things, many times we focus on these things. They become power struggles. The kid sees, oh, they're big on that. And you'll see a kid who's toilet trained regress, to use a psychological term, okay, to just gain attention and make the parent pay attention to me. So at 18 months, Jim, yes, they're powerful. But at 12 months, when you're trying to put a pamper on a kid that doesn't want a pamper on him, notice how this kid can wiggle like a a black bass about to leap out of a pond. I mean, (laughs) they're almost flying. (laughs) That is great. Hey, we've also invited a group of moms to join us in the studio. I'm I'm hoping you'll have questions, ladies, in a little while to uh, address to Dr. Kevin Lehman. Well, let me ask you this basic question. I think this is the question. Why do kids misbehave? Kids misbehave for basic reasons. Number one is attention getting. Number two is power. Number three is revenge. Hmm. (laughs) You don't want to see the revengeful kid because these are the kids that are in juvenile detention. Uh. These are the kids that are incarcerated early in life. If you have a right to hurt me in a democratic society, what right do I have? Mm-hmm. to hurt other people. If you bring up a kid in Ripoffville, uh, Pennsylvania, and in Ripoffville, everybody's a thief. There's not an honest person 
in the entire town. And then you bring them to Fantasy World, Colorado, where everyone is honest. There's not a dishonest person in the whole town. How will a kid behave when he comes to the new environment? When he sees a wristwatch someplace that someone left in a restroom, will he stick it in his pocket or return it? He'll stick it in his pocket. Why? Because he's learned. So every kid has a screenplay, so to speak. Okay? And the firstborn looks up and sees adults. The secondborn looks up and sees little Miss Goody Two-Shoes, which sets up a lot of second children to go in a different direction. Okay? The third one figures out, hmm, that role's taken, that role's taken. Oh, this role isn't taken. The procrastinator. I'm going to be the little badger-like person that they're going to have to push and shove and pull to get to do anything. I'm going to see what they're made of. How, how do you, as a parent, though, identify that in your children? Do you have to parent differently with each of those styles or those types? Well, I think you do functionally. I mean, why should two kids go to bed at the same time unless they're identical twins or fraternal <laughs> twins? But what do we do? What do we do as convenience? All right, everyone listen up. I want everybody in bed now. Now, why do you do that, Dad? Because you want to fool around with a missus. Tell the truth. You want the kids out of the way. <laughs> you know? I mean, the, the state of Colorado or Pennsylvania or Texas is going to treat your kid different. Don't be afraid to treat your kids differently. Here's the question. Does God treat us differently? Mm -hmm. Why did he give identical twins different fingerprints? They're genetically the same person. Why did he do that? To help the FBI? <laughs> or the Royal Mounted Police? No. Uh, Kevin, I need to clarify something because last time and today we're talking about, even in the open, about how far parents should go to try to uh, help a child succeed and to not allow that child to fail. Uh, what I'm hearing you say is that you really need to take that underpinning away from the child. If they fail, they fail. And there's a biblical principle related to that. Um, sure there is. Uh, you talked last time, in fact, about the spoiled child and when you uh, start to take those privileges away to help strengthen the character of that child. Do you think in many ways the Lord is doing that with us at times mm -hmm. as adults? Sure. How many times have we... I mean, I, I've got a little book I wrote in 57 days, and the publisher said, Lehman, this book must have been in your heart. It wasn't my heart. It was called The Way of the Wise. But my favorite chapter is, Lord, you're the potter, I'm the clay, but I do have a few suggestions. <laughs> and I think that's what all of us as people of faith struggle with, is, Lord, your will, not mine. But let's face it. As a parent, these are your kids. Here's the question for all the mommies with us today. Do you know what's best for your kid? Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child, not train down, your child in the way he should go. Now, that doesn't mean the way you think he should go. That's the kicker for most of us. It's the way God would have your kid go. So for parents who have a compliant firstborn, little Miss Goody Two-Shoes, honor society, oh, she's such a lovely daughter to have around. And then have you met her little sister, Attila? <laughs> <laughs> now here's the problem. you got to love these kids. It's like the kindergarten teacher on the first day of school. The little kid walks in. You know there's something different about this kid. You notice the attache case in his hand. And inside of his attache case, he's got a book, you know, James Michener's Hawaii. He's five years old, you know. I'm going to take a wild guess and say, this kid's going to do okay in school. This kindergarten teacher, two minutes later, is greeted by a little kid that comes in and says, uh, is this the kindergarten? And the other kid says, I think he's inquiring as to whether or not he's in the right place or not. 
Well, if you look at those backgrounds of those kids, they came out of completely different homes. Mm. Parents, if you've got a kid who's a reader, don't worry about their education. Mm-hmm. That's the best, best advice I can give you. Reading is the key. Teach kids where? At your knee. You know, that's what Deuteronomy reminds us to do as parents. Mm-hmm. So when you train up kids, you want to train them up with a lot of vitamin E, which is encouragement, but they need vitamin N, too, which is no. You, you refer to training down. For those that are just joining us, uh, yeah. talk about training down versus training up. What does that mean practically? You know, if a bird had your brain, he'd fly sideways. What is wrong with you? That is the dumbest thing I ever heard of. You know, if a doctor says to you, Jim, um, hey, Jim, uh, you reacted to the medication, that's not good, Jim. But if he says you responded to the medication, that's very good. I think as parents we need to remember you want to try to respond to kids rather than just react to them. Mm-hmm. These are kids. We're the psychological blankie for our kids. And you got to understand that each kid sees life differently. And in many ways, you have to be a different parent in many ways to different kids. Well, and you're touching on something that I think we should pull out, and that is that willful defiance, that willful disobedience versus just childish irresponsibility. Is there a distinction there? Uh, Let me give you an example. A child that spills milk and is just clumsy. Um, some parents will get on that child yeah, to be pokey. less clumsy yeah. and aggressively, but that may just be that child can't function well. Yeah, the with... milk or the orange juice topples. And what, are, what, what did you, didn't I just tell you to be careful? What is wrong with you? I'm telling you. Now, go. Now, there's your typical reaction. You're frustrated. You know, when the milk spills or the orange juice spills, we don't need a, a berating lecture. We need a rag. <laughs> and aren't you glad that Almighty God has this wonderful rag that just wipes things clean when we say, Father, I've fallen short again. Uh, is that you, Lehman, again? Yeah, it's me. Just call me a tow truck, get me out of this ditch. It's on its way, fat boy. It's on its way. <laughs> and I think if we have that, if we look at ourselves and realize that we don't have life's all of life's answers in our back pocket. And there's times when you look at your son and your daughter and say, honey, I don't know. But let's talk about this some more. If you don't dialogue with your kid, if your 16-year-old says they want to go to a rock concert, here's a perfect example, okay? What do most parents say? Hey, we're not spending a hard-earned money to send you to hear some goofball singing a song nobody can understand, okay? The parent I'd like to create says, oh, who's performing? Do you have a CD of them? I'd love to hear it. Hey, Come jump in the car. Let's take a look. i got to go down the Circle K anyway. Come on with me. And put the CD in. And as soon as the kid puts the CD in, say, turn it up more, louder, and talk about it. Now, am I saying to let your kid go to everything that comes down the pike? No. But if you don't dialogue with that kid, he or she is going to become a slam clicker, which means they come home from school, they slam their door, they click it shut, and then they begin to text like a woodpecker that's got ADHD to all their buddies. (laughs) That's good advice. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Friends of Focus on the Family, give families hope this Christmas with a gift of appreciated stock. By donating appreciated stock, you create tax savings while turning resources into help for hurting families. And you'll also receive a tax deduction on the fair market value of your gift. Let our team help you make the most of your giving. To learn more, visit GiveFamiliesHope.com. That's GiveFamiliesHope.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. 
Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. You're listening to Focus on the Family. We're talking with uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman, author of the book, Parenting Your Powerful Child. We also have uh, 30 or so guests here in the studio, women and moms, who uh, I'm ready to open up the mics and have you all ask some questions of Dr. Lehman. Mm -hmm. So let's do that. Let's go to the first question. So, Dr. Lehman, thank you for being here. And so I have a 17-year-old son, firstborn. I think he's full of potential, but he is just failing in classes. And and it's so hard not to nag on him, do the homework, do this, do that. And so I hear your advice about kind of let him feel the consequences, but I'm scared because this is his life that could be affected by the poor grades. Well, first of all, that's a great question. Thank you for it. You know, if that's my son, um, I'm probably going to have somebody else do this rather than myself. I'm probably going to have someone at school do it. But I'm going to suggest to them that they sit down with them and say, you know, I'm concerned about your grades. I see that you have much more potential than what you've shown here. I just want to share this with you for what it's worth. Someday, very soon, someone's going to look at an 8 by 11 piece of paper or a computer screen. And it's going to have some numbers on it and some grades on it and maybe some test scores. And they're going to make some assumptions about you based solely on what's on that page. We live in a very competitive society. Talk to anybody who's out in business and doing well and works for corporation. I got news for you, honey. They're looking over their shoulder. It's called downsizing. So this is your life. I don't want to run your life. You need to make these decisions. Something tells me that you don't measure up. You don't do better because you feel pressure that if you did better, you'd always have to do better. Mm. And I understand that. But that firstborn who doesn't measure up many times doesn't measure up out of fear that if I succeed, I'll always have to succeed. And that's fearful. Mm. Let's go to the next question. My name is Courtney. And I have five children, four boys and then a little girl. My fourth son is about to turn eight. And there are no consequences that affect him, literally. He is so powerful, I expect that he'll be president of the United States. He won't take no for an answer. He doesn't need sleep. And as long as everything's going his way, he's great. You know, he's a wonderfully beautiful-hearted child. But when something goes wrong or I say no, it is the end of the world. And he is not embarrassed to scream, throw himself on the floor at Walmart. I have left in places. He has no problem with that. He said, that's okay. I'll just find a new family. I can't find a consequence that is strong enough for this powerful child. And Mm. again, I know he'll be successful one day because he truly has this amazing power. But as a parent, it's, I'm at the end of my rope. I think we hear that. Let's hear Dr. Lehman's response. Well, this kid might do well in the courtroom someday as a courtroom attorney. But if this behavior doesn't change now at age eight, He's going to be a lousy husband. He's not going to be a good person to be around, okay? And you see these kids where if life is sailing on their terms, they're fine. What can she do? Watch it in sports, okay? As soon as something goes wrong and he has a hissy fit, you say things like, you don't try to make it right, number one. You don't try to fix it. You say, I understand. You're upset. I got to tell you the truth. It's not a big thing to me. Walk away. I would pick this kid up at age eight, I'd put him outside, I'd close the door, and I'd lock the door. I'd make myself a cup of tea, and I'd chill. If you do that with a powerful child like this, he will kick your back door like it's never been kicked before. But I would not open that door until he settled down, okay? And we hear the anguish in your voice, 
But we also hear that, oh, he's a great kid. He's this. He's that. I got news for you. You got to look at that other side. And you got to understand that this side that's the bad side, so to speak, has to be corrected or it's really going to limit the probability of him being productive as an adult. And to be fair, I mean, all of us as parents with our children, I think all of our children will have that side that we tend not to want to look at. Oh, yeah. But and, I call it the bread and water treatment, Jim. I think this kid gets nothing if he's in my home. Mommy, would you would you get me a glass of milk? Now, this is when things are really fine. He's great. Would you get me a glass of milk? Uh, no, honey, I won't. Mommy, you always get me a glass of milk. Honey, I don't feel like getting you a glass of milk right now. I want to create some guilt in this kid, good guilt, that says, you know what? I'm not happy with the way things are in our home. And kids at eight understand that. You need to, I call it parental poker. Now, some of you may not like that term. You want to call it parental fish, go right ahead. But you have four aces. Your kid wouldn't have underwear, quite frankly, if you didn't buy it for him. So who's kidding who? You have all the gold. So play these cards now at eight before these kids harden up and hit 12, 13, 14. And that is really miserable. It's in, absolutely incumbent that mom and dad must be on the same page. Mm-hmm. And lots of times what you'll see is you'll see a powerful parent you know, there are engineers, our accountants, whoever perfection is paid, you're going to find more share of your powerful parents, okay? And if they're not on the same page, the kids, again, will be fed power from you not being on the same page. And what they're actually saying is, I'm angry because you two don't have your act together. Well, if you use an educational model like I do and not a medical model, you realize there's some good news here then we can untrain some of these things. Mm. Some of these kids who are the procrastinating type who just dig in, I mean, they will show you that nothing you do is going to affect me. But these are the kids you got to say, honey, I understand that. Mm. But you're 15 years old, and you have three more years to serve in this prison, okay? (laughs) And at 18, you can fly any way you want. But for right now, this is what you have to deal with. So if you're responsible at home, responsible at school, yeah, you're going to have some perks like driving the car. And if you're not, that's never going to happen. Mm. Uh, You mentioned, though, uh, oftentimes that more strong-willed parent will have certain uh, dispositions to them. I mean, the accountants, you say, the engineers, the black-and-white thinkers. Where perfection is paid off. typically, and you know this from your other books, typically opposites attract. So the spouse, when you talk about being on the same page, it, that can be hard. And I know for Gene and I, Gene is a scientifically driven person. I can tend to be a bit more laid back in my parenting. Right. How do we get on that same page? How do we say, okay, we have to find a middle ground? Well, number one, you don't act out independent of each other. The two shall become one. I married to Mrs. Uppington, the firstborn, the classy one. She likes five-forker restaurants. I loathe those places. I'm a plastic fork person, but we're a great team. But with kids, we've always been on the same page. And when the kids see that security, see, your kid, whether that kid's four or 14, likes the mundane. They like the mundane. They like the predictable. Mm -hmm. If you don't believe that, try tucking in a young kid tonight and leave something out of the routine. The kid turns into Judge Judy. Mommy, you forgot to do whatever. You That's know, so sing a true. song or touch so this true. or do that. So realize that as adults, your job is to stay on that same page. And yes, we see life differently. And I would tell every man that's listening, every man, 
Women are closer to life than men are. Mm-hmm. No matter what the major problem, run everything by your wife first. Jane is smiling right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk for a moment about uh, the mom. I mean, there may be a mom sitting right here. And if you're there and in this place, uh, let's hear from you. But you feel like, wow, I have not done it this way. And I'm feeling guilty. What you're saying is actually making me feel heavy-hearted. Um, how can I turn that corner now? What can I do tonight when I go home and talk to my husband to say, okay, we've got to do some things differently? Anybody in that spot? You feel like that? Okay, there's some nodding heads right now. Well, first of Speak all, to it, it. there's a lot of moms that don't have a support system. Mm. There's a lot of moms listening to us who are single parents who have no one in the bullpen. They have to do it by themselves. And for those, they need to be as consistent as they possibly can be. For those of you who do have that helpmate, it's really important that that helpmate understands what a job you do. That means you need to get away. You need to go out with your girlfriends. You need to have some time alone. You need to go to the woman's retreat at your church. Husband will figure it out. I remember (laughs) my wife took off for a a retreat and left me with the infant Chrissy and the 18-month-old Holly. They're 18 months apart. And I reassured her everything would be okay. That's how stupid I was. It, it was not okay. I mean, our oldest daughter, Holly, did a, how do I say this, uh, a big ba. It was just, I'm not going to describe it. Uh, but it, it was. We got it, the picture. It was, thank you, Jim. It was worse than you could imagine. And I picked her up, and I ran out the back through the screen door and, and took her out in the grass. And I, I didn't have a, a wristband on me that said, what would Dr. Kevin Lehman say uh, or do? So I went to the garden hose. That seems practical. Oh, gosh. You know what? And I pulled that off, and about three days later, Holly told her mother about the special uh, shower that, da- that Daddy gave her in the backyard. I got in big-time trouble. Well, that's but nothing every, what the every, neighbor said to your wife. Oh, gosh. But every man needs to walk in a woman's shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm a great proponent of MOPS organization. They're right. just wonderful people. And uh, I just like to reassure those mommies that, you know, yeah, you don't have a bunch of people in the grandstand, you know, clapping and rising up and calling you blessed. But the work and the time you put with these kids pays off. Mm. Let's get another question. Hi, Dr. Lehman. Thank you I've for coming. I've been watching you ponder. <laughs> yeah. I've been pondering a lot. Um, I can. My name is Audrey, and uh, I do confess that I am the stubborn procrastinating manipulator child growing up. And I have a 16-year-old son of my own that is a stubborn procrastinator manipulator. And he's six foot two, so, you know, spanking doesn't work anymore. And or maybe it never did, but um, we will get into arguments. Um, and I can't remember a time that I have ever given in with this kid ever. He's never gotten his way. I consider it my passion to make his life as miserable as possible. Um, I'm just joking, but but he keeps continuing to argue with me as if he thinks he's going to win someday. How do we stop? <laughs> Well, this. Th- there's two participants in this Golden Glove event, okay? There's uh, Queen Audrey and the little surf who is six foot two. Now, I'd be careful, Audrey, because if you've got a surfer on the house, you can be the queen, but at six two, I'd be careful. Uh, let me point out a couple of things. I love your question for a couple of reasons. Number one, you mentioned spanking. If you have a powerful child, one of the worst things you can do is spank them. All you're doing is throwing kerosene on the fire. 
you want to use other means of disciplining kids. Now, what you have to understand is, again, there's a couple lessons here. Fighting is an act of cooperation. Notice he knows exactly what to say just to get you fired up on all eight cylinders, not seven or six. You got all eight cylinders blazing. Mm-hmm. So he's learned how to punch in things that just make you your blood boil, and then you get that you cannot, you are not going to win this. Who's winning your marriage, those of you who are married? If someone's winning your marriage, marriage isn't a competitive sport. If someone's winning your marriage, you both lose. So if someone's winning this argument, you both lose. I think just for fun, for a week, you ought to do what Lehman suggests, and that is as soon as he starts his dog and pony show and says something outrageous, say, oh, why didn't I think of that? That is awesome. Wow. Fascinating. It's just like I tell women. When your husband say really stupid things, just look at him and say, Wow. <laughs> Interesting, and you're, you can think you're an idiot. I'll I'll give you that, but just don't say it. So, again, you've learned this. You've had 16 years of going back and forth in this teeter totter. It's never going to stop. Wait till he brings a woman home to take him away. You'll be crying your eyes out. You better get this one fixed quick before the wedding comes. Uh, well, you've been listening to Focus on the Family with Dr. Kevin Lehman, and I'm sure you can see why we wanted to revisit this content. Those are some great questions to really ponder, and we appreciate Dr. Lehman's insight on those topics. Well, you know, Kevin is always such a popular guest here on Focus on the Family. He hits it out of the park every time because his parenting content is so relevant and effective. Uh, Let me turn to you, the listener. Focus exists to provide resources to help you in your parenting journey, no matter what season of life you're in. And we mentioned this last time, but we have a seven traits of effective parenting assessment which is really an invaluable free tool. It's a short quiz. It'll take just a few minutes of your time, and you'll see where you're doing well and a few action items uh, for those areas that could use some improvement. Another great resource is the book by Kevin Lehman. It's uh, called Parenting Your Powerful Child, Bringing an End to Everyday Battles. This book gives great advice for parents in need of some help and encouragement. When you make a monthly pledge today, and no amount is too small, we'll send a copy of Dr. Lehman's book as our way of saying thank you for doing ministry with us. And if a monthly pledge is too much, we can send it to you for a one-time gift as well. Let me just tell you, when you order that book through Focus, the proceeds go right back into helping couples on the verge of divorce, families in crisis, bewildered parents, frightened mothers considering abortion, and others who just need a touch of hope. With Thanksgiving and Christmas just around the corner, you can share that hope as well as the healing, the peace, the grace, and the joy that Jesus Christ came to give us all. Through your support of Focus on the Family, you can come alongside those who are struggling and give families hope. Your support is critical to help us finish the year strong and be ready to reach even more families in 2023. We're so grateful to have you partner with us. It'd be terrific to hear from you right now because we have a special year-end matching opportunity uh, going on, and that means your gift is going to be doubled. Uh, Your donation will go twice as far to bring healing and redemption to even more families. To take that free seven traits of effective parenting assessment and to donate and get your copy of Parenting Your Powerful Child, call 800-the-letter-A-in-the-word-family, 800-232-6459, or visit FocusOnTheFamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. <music>